Today we have a very special guest speaker as we've been talking about life on purpose, meaning the purposes that, is God, that God has called every human being to. As we've been talking about that, we come this week to the area of ministry, that God has called every believer to be a minister and to serve in some way or another. He has wired us for that. And I thought there's no better person to come and uh, deliver this message than a friend of mine. He doesn't attend North Point, but he is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His name is Freddie Tishpanda. And uh, he is an amazing man of God. You are gonna love him. He's written a book called Engineered to Make a Difference that's on sale today, but he is a good friend of mine, and he's gonna be speaking to this topic for us today. But before he gets started, I want to introduce him to you via video, so just watch this. My job as an engineer is to design systems with the purpose to make a building functional. The systems that I design save your life when you go to the hospital. People who do not know anything about the design always ask questions like, what will this building be used for? How will this building make a difference in the lives of people? Truth being told, all of us are like these buildings and the construction, still struggling with our identity, asking, who am I? Where do I come from? Why am I here? When I was in the Congo, a country with more than 80% unemployment, I thought I was just a nobody with nothing to offer and that I will not amount to anything. What I've learned is that our identity is not founded in what we say about ourselves or what people say about us. Our identity is founded in God because God is the ultimate engineer. Are not a mistake you are not a biological error you have been made with a purpose the God of all creation the ultimate engineer the one who has created the universe had you in mind from the beginning of time he has blessed you with a gift so that you can impact the world you have been engineered to make a difference you've been designed for success and significance and you are a divine design this book is about how I found out that I was engineered to make a difference and that God had already planned to use my crazy journey to make me all that I am today. If God did it for me, I know for the fact that he is doing it for you. Man, I can't hear y'all, man. Good morning, church. Let me try this again. Good morning, church. I am so glad to be here. I thank God for another year that we all made through because God has been good to us. And I thank God for another day that he has given us. Listen, waking up in the morning is not a habit. It is by the grace of God. And so we have to take the time to always say thank you. I want to say thank you to Pastor Shane for allowing me to stand here. Of course, he did not ask my permission. He asked me, you're going to stand here. That's why I'm here for but I do say thank you for him, that he has entrusted me uh, with this responsibility. I know for the fact that there is better qualified preacher in this house, and I thank God that he was able to give me this opportunity. I also want to just say thank you to Pastor Steve 
Uh, Pastor Siva is a leader in our community, definitely a mentor to me. And I want to say thank you because he has participated in writing this book. And I just, I can't say much if it is just to recognize him in this place. Today, my responsibility is to talk to you about ministry. And I thought, as we talked with Pastor Shane, that the best way to do this is to talk to you about this book. So far, we have been talking about living on purpose. And Pastor Kyle and Pastor Shane did, did a good job talking to us about worship. We had Pastor Kevin talk to us about fellowship, and today is ministry. This book that I wrote, I finished it last year. The title is Engineered to Make a Difference. You are designed for success and lasting significance. Just so you know, today it will be available outside uh, in every campuses. Uh, and it's also on Amazon for those that are watching us online. The cost is $15, but I will, I will tell you today, I got, a sell, I got a good deal for you. Whatever you donate toward this book, you get to walk away with this book. But I will pray that you will consider to give more than the 15. Here's the reason. Because we want to give this book for free to young people who are struggling with their identity and they don't even know what pronoun to use for themselves. They need someone to tell them that God created you for a reason. The second reason is that we have a mentoring program here in our community. There is even people from North Point that are serving in that. We work in different um, elementary school, middle school, and even high school where people from the church like you will hang out with those kids and just let them know God has been good to you. God loves you and I love you. And we want to support that mentoring program. We also have a clinic in the Congo. I will talk more about it, but it's also another ministry that we will love to support as you donate toward this book. All right, let me dive into this book. Uh, I, was, I started writing this book, it's been about 15 years. I know I'm a slow writer, I can only handle one word a day. Uh, and so, so that's what I was doing. Uh, but God wanted me to go through some stuff before I actually get to this point. One of the things that God allowed to happen to me is that I got old. Right? After 15 years, you get old. Now, you might look at me and say, you still got it. You look like you're young. But I don't feel that way. And let me tell you a few things that tells you that you're old. Number one, if you wake up in the morning and your body is hurting and you don't know what you did yesterday, you're old. <laughs> don't go see the doctor. I'm just trying to help you out. Okay? If, if you think about doing something, you go inside the house, and just when you get to the house, you forget about what you went to do, and you have to walk back outside just to remember, you are getting old, all right? Anybody has done that? One, oh, wow, wow, we got three people that are honest at church. Amen, we're doing a good job. Now I see many hands, right? If you used to walk like me with your chest up, after a few years, what you used to leave upstairs, move downstairs, and it doesn't matter how hard you work out, it won't come back up. You know you old. You old if you tell yourself this lie every day at church, that I don't need to write it down, I, I'll remember it, right? <laughs> By the time you hit the parking lot, you can't even remember the title of the message. You know you old. And so I knew something wasn't going right with my brain. I couldn't remember stuff, so it was time for me to start writing down my story. I am originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo. If you don't know about that country, you should know it, because this country is the richest country in natural resources, and yet the poorest country on earth. If you have one of these cell phones, electronic, electric car, the majority of the natural resources used for them come from the Congo. The coltan is used to make electronic. 80% of the world coltan is in the Congo. The cobalt is used to make batteries from airplanes all the way to the smallest gadget. 
60% of the world cobalt is in the Congo. So you have the Congo in your pocket right now. But the reality of it is that the Congo, as you saw in the video, is the poorest place ever. And that's where I grew up. My dad, a math professor, my mom, a nurse. You would think that because they have that education that it will do well. No, unfortunately, they work for buildings that belong to the government. So that means politicians would take the money from the top. Whatever trick is down is what my parents get. And they would go for months without a pay. What it meant for us is that we slept on the floor. We ate one good meal a day and sometimes no good meal at all, right? And sometimes we'll sleep uh, in the room when it rained. It feels like you are outside because it was dripping everywhere. We'll put buckets to catch that water and go to the living room, find a corner where you sleep standing or sleep in the little corner. That was my life. And I literally grew up in that poverty, in that desperation, thinking this is not right. And this leads me to my very first point. My very first point is hopelessness is a result of not listening to God. I felt hopeless. I knew that this will not amount to anything. There is nothing that I can do, but that's true. Hopelessness is usually when you can't hear God, you can't see God, you can't, you can't understand what God is doing in your life. Look at Jeremiah 18, uh, 12. In this book, Jeremiah, God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, telling him, I am God. I do whatever I want to do with the people that I create. What that means is that if, as a potter, that's whatever to the clay, I will allow anything to happen to you because I am God. And so God tells Jeremiah, go talk to my people. Tell them if they don't change the way they live their life, disaster will come up on them. Look at the answer in verse 12. They say, this is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will obey the dictates of our evil heart. Literally what they're saying is we can't hear God. We can't listen to God. We're going through some stuff and we're just going to do whatever we want to do. I know somebody in this room is going some stuff, through some stuff. Stuff that you can't explain. Wondering, is God there? I was there. That's how I felt. God cannot allow me to live in this kind of poverty. That's the reason why. I was a bad child for my parents. I'm just confessing my sins here. I was the worst child. I cannot even wish a child like me to any of you, not even my worst enemy. I gave my parents a run for their money. I hated school and I hated work. And my mother hated even my school more than I hated it because every time she went there, it was just to hear bad complaints about me. I had three older brothers that would go to the same school and I was the baby. And every time I showed up, they would ask my mom, are you sure this is your child? Because we saw the other ones, they better. This one, you might want to take him back because he is a problem. That was my life. That was the kind of person that I was. My hope was this, though. I was hoping maybe I can become a politician so I can steal money like all politicians do. Or I can become a musician and I can dance and basically make money that way because they make money. The third option was really if God can get me out of this country. And God had a plan to get me out of the Congo. My auntie who lives in North Carolina, Charlotte, decided to adopt me and one of my brothers. But that, when that message came to the Congo, Everybody disagreed. My uncles and aunties, everybody knew that it wasn't a good idea for me to come to America because they knew that I would end up in jail, I would end up dead on the street, or I would end up with a gang. So this was their concern. They say he needs to stay here so that we can keep an eye on him 24-7. This is like a jail sentence for me. They wanted me there, but my parents had to pray about it. After they prayed about it, they decided they came to me and said, Freddie, we're going to let you go. Now, I don't know if they were just trying to get rid of me because I was a problem 
happened to them. Either way, I was trying to get out of there. So I remember that day as if it was yesterday. They took us to the airport. They asked us to kneel down in front of everybody. They prayed over us. And my mother said these words to me. She said, son, we taught you about everything you needed to know. Number one, put God first in your life. Number two, work as hard as you can. Number three, pursue to be a blessing to others. These were not just empty words. These were exactly how they lived their life. My mother and my father believed in putting God first. They woke us up. Five o'clock in the morning every day to drag us to church. My dad believed it was his responsibility to feed not only our body, but also our soul. What that meant is if you don't go to church, you don't eat. So we just had to go to church so we could stay alive in their house. Number one. Number two, they work really hard. Even though they had this job that never paid, they still showed up every single day to do what they were supposed to do. And number three, they were a blessing. They pursued to be a blessing in their community. My dad solved all the problems in the community, the school community where we were. My mother as a nurse, she would go from one building to another, from one house to another, because most people couldn't afford a big hospital. She would go tell them, talk to them, pray with them, give them injection as a nurse, and give them medication just so that they can get better. And that was what they did. But of course, when mama was talking to me, I saw a ticket in my hand, an airplane. I'm like, this is too long. I said, mama, yes, I believe you. I heard what you say. I remember this. Can we just get in the airplane so we can get out of the car? I didn't want to miss that one. And so the airplane took off, and a few, after a few stops, I landed in America. I don't know if you saw Welcome uh, Coming to America, but that was me right Right there. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Atlanta. I made it. I'm here. I don't know if you're excited to see me, but I'm excited to be here. I was so excited, you just couldn't tell what was wrong with me. But this excitement very quickly came down to reality. I realized how blessed this country was. I realized how blessed people in this country was. And I started asking this question, is God good? Is God just? Because I saw my parents giving everything they have, the clothes off their back, to serve God in ministry, and yet they did not have the blessings that has been bestowed in this country. And I said, God cannot be good. If God was good, I should have been born in America. I remember calling my mom. I said, Mama, I will build you a mansion. I can go to school full-time, work full-time with a side business here in America. I will definitely take care of you. My mother was laughing. She said, son, are you okay? And I said, I'm okay. I'm very serious. This this is what I would do for you. My mama said, listen, the reason why I ask you this is because this is the first time you ever made a sentence with work and school in it. I am impressed. <laughs> the spirit must be speaking to you if you're not drunk. I said, I'm not drunk. I'm serious. She said, son, you don't get it because she understood what I meant. What I really meant is I will fix what God got wrong. And my mother said, son, you don't get it. We did this to serve our God, and we did this to set an example for you. And if I was to die today, I am ready to go because I've done what I was supposed to do. And as she said, I set the example for you to show you that you are blessed, and you ought to do the same thing. Find a ministry, serve somewhere. Of course, I don't believe in what mama say, that I'm blessed, but you can't say no to mama. You just say, yes, mama. She said, do you remember what I told you at the airport? And I said, yes, mama, I remember. Are you putting God first? I said, yes, I'm going to church every Sunday, even when I know that nobody can take my food away anymore, I still go to church. I said, that's good. She asked me, are you working hard? I said, that's the reason why I am telling you about work in school. And she said, that's good. Are you pursuing to be a blessing to others? Now, I just had to be truthful. I was not pursuing. That's not what I was doing, pursuing ministry, pursuing to serve. No, I would help people when they came to me, but I was not pursuing. She told me, listen, as long as you remember this principle, you will be just fine. God will take care of you. 
All right, we hang up with mama. It was time for me to go and look for a job. And back in my time, you would go to the unemployment office to find a job. It wasn't just jumping on the internet. See, y'all, old people can remember that. You go to the unemployment office, they give you some recommendation uh, for the job, and they did exactly that. And they gave me an additional one, and they told me, go down the street, there's a building there. You go there, and that's where they might give you a job. I walked to this big building, did not realize it was a jail. I walked in, and I showed them, hey, I'm looking for this job. Couldn't really speak the language well, but I pointed very well. I said, this is it. And they said, okay, great, this is it. They called the manager down, so the manager was willing to interview me the same day, and so they had now to process me so that I can go in a secure area. That's where I realized I was a jail. I said, my family was right. I ended up in jail anyway. These people are not gonna let me out. I can't even speak the language. So they took me downstairs. They set me in front of the manager. The manager asked me a few questions. Why are you looking for a job? And I said, I just wanna take care of my family, so that's why I wanted a job. And she, he asked me, how old are you? I was 20 at the time. I said, unfortunately, you got to be 21 years of age to work at the jail. He said, I will still take your application, but I will send you your way. I didn't even care about the job. I was just trying to get out of jail. This is good. It works for me. And so a few days after, he calls me and said, I decided to hire you. And I said, okay. I showed up. And then I found out this man who did not look like me, did not speak my language, did not even know the Congo existed, put his neck on the line to get me this job. He was such a blessing to me. But even the company worked around my school schedule, allowing me to go to my engineering classes. Not only that, they even paid for my books when I couldn't actually pay for those books. But the job was very difficult. If you don't speak English, don't go and work at the jail. Not a good idea. Definitely not a good idea. These inmates gave me the hardest time. They laughed at my English every single day. Whatever mistake I make, it was my name for the day. I hated that job so much, I quit that job every day, came back the next day because I was broke. I didn't have a choice. And so at the end of the day, I said, listen, I gotta make the best of this. I said, listen, you are locked up. I'm broke, I gotta come back here. So we're gonna have to spend a lot of time together. You don't have entertainment. I make a lot of mistakes. That's funny to you. You can laugh at me all you want, but after you finish laughing at me, how about you teach me how to pronounce the word? And that's what they did. Just so you know, the English that I'm using now, I'm learning from jail. Now, they taught me some colorful word I can't use at church, so I'm gonna try to put that outside. But they teach you everything over there. But at the end, we became friends. We started talking, and I started asking them the question that has been burning in my heart. Why do you end up here in jail? In a country that is blessed with all kinds of opportunity, what would you end up here? The answer was, I didn't have a father. I did not have a father. Do you know 80% of people that end up in jail came from broken home without role model? The word father means source, but also sustainer. That's why we call God, God our father, because he's not only the source of life, but also the sustainer of that life. When he pulls his hand, you are gone. And that's the role of parent, that you ought to be not just the, 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 the participant of creating that life, but also being there for that life to be successful. The, the unfortunate situation is that for many of these kids, they did not have that role model. And it dawned on me what mama was telling me that I was blessed. I don't know how many times I, I always say my, in my life, mama was right, if I can just listen to her at the beginning. Because I thought about what I said. I said, if God was for me, God was good to me, I should have been born in America. Little did I know I could have handed up in jail. God threw me in the Congo in the middle of nowhere, but gave me role models that were there to teach me to put God first, to work hard and pursue to be a blessing. 
And because of them, I am who I am because they took the time to invest in me. And so you can tell my identity has been shifting. I started to thinking that I'm never going to end up to be anything. Then I thought it was just cursed. I was just cursed that God threw me in the Congo. Now I realize, my goodness, I was blessed. But now I'm looking at these kids in jail and I'm thinking, then they are cursed. Is this still God good? And then I had to dig into the Word to understand the Bible for myself and the things that Mama was saying. And Mama said to me to put God first, to work hard, to pursue, to be a blessing. And I realized this was all about hope, having hope in God versus hopelessness. When you have hope, this is my second point, when you have hope in God's plan, it calls you to do a few things. Number one, what Mama said, to put God first. Look at Matthew 6, 31, 34, it says, so do not worry saying, what should we eat, drink, or wear? Because pagan goes after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek it first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and the rest will be given unto you. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow we worry about itself. Today's trouble is enough for today. What it's saying is that you and I sometimes act like pagans. As a matter of fact, just this morning, your wife asked you, Am I going to dress? What am I going to wear? Do I wear this dress or that dress, right? They always ask this question. We always worry about that. As a matter of fact, after the service, the first question will be, what are we going to eat? We worry about these things. But you know who's not worrying about these things in this church? It's those kids. Those kids know that you as a dad, you as a mom, would take care of that. And that's what God is saying. I am a good father. I know what you need. All I need you to do is to put me first. If you put me first, I'll take care of all your needs. That's what God is telling you today. Now, when God is saying this, it's saying, I am a designer. I designed you. I know exactly how I made you. When you put me first, guess what? This is what you do. You discover the shape, your shape for ministry. Shape is a word that I've learned, uh, the acronym that I've learned here. Pastor Shane taught me what shape really stands for. Spiritual gift, right? Heart desire, ability, personality, and experiences. What it means is that God has placed gifts inside of you. Gifts that is just amazing, spiritual gifts. He placed in you the heart desire to do some things. He placed in you abilities that no one else has. He placed in you a personality that just shows up. He placed in you some experiences that you went through, and God wants you to discover that. That's the first thing when you put God first in your plan, right? This is it. But when you have hope in God, the second is that you learn to work as hard as you can. Look at Matthew 25, 14 to 30. This is a story that we all know, the story of talent. If you ever went to Sunday school, you should know that. But if you flunk Sunday school, let me help you out and tell you what, it, what the story is all about. It's about a master who was taking a trip. He has three servants, and he entrusted them with his talent. To the first, he gave five. To the second, he gave two. And to the last, he gave one. And when he went to the trip, came back, the one that received five multiplied the five talent, came back with five more to the master. The one that received two multiplied the talent, came back with two more. And the one that received one, he was so fearful of the master, he buried the talent under the ground. And when the master came, he brought that talent and said, here's your talent. And the master called him wicked servant. Why? Because he didn't pay attention to what verse 15 is saying. Verse 15 says that he gave them all according to their abilities. That's the word again. Ability. He said, listen, the one that had five had enough ability to multiply the five. The one that had two had enough ability to multiply the two. And the one that had one also had enough ability to multiply the one. But he did not believe that the God, the, the master is a 
a good father. He did not believe in his own talent. That's my story right there. I complained about not being able to speak English. I complained about being from the Congo. I complained about so many things. Little did I know that God placed in the inside of me some abilities that it was not about a few talents that I had in my head. What it means is that when you Put God first, number one, and you work hard, you get to develop your shape for ministry. You get to develop your spiritual gift, your abilities, your heart desire, your personality, and your experiences. God wants you to work. God does not endorse laziness. He wants you to develop those gifts so that you can be able to use them. It leads me to my third sub-point. If you have hope in God, it leads you to pursue to be a blessing. Look at First Peter 4, 10 to 11. It tells us that God has given each of us gifts from his variety of spiritual gifts, and he says, use them well to serve one another. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. God said, use them well to serve one another. To the one who has the gift of speaking, let him speak as if God himself was speaking through him. To the one who has the gift of serving, of helping, help people with the energy and strength that God has placed in you. And this is what happened. Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus. Because what it means is that the glory of God is not just brought to him when you worship. It's brought to him when when you learn how to distribute your shape for ministry. You learn how to distribute your gift, your heart desire. You, you learn how to distribute your abilities. You learn how to distribute your personality and experiences. You learn how to use them to impact someone's life so that their life will never be the same. That's the reason of ministry. Why am I telling you this? It's to answer three questions, two questions. Who am I and why am I here? Look at what Ephesians 2.10 tells you, that you are the handiwork of God. You are God's work created in Jesus Christ to do good work. What it's saying, good work that he has already prepared, he's saying that you have been created by God. The handiwork or the workmanship is like a masterpiece. This is not a mistake. When an artist takes the time to do the masterpiece, he takes the time to put it all in there. You are not a mistake. You are not a biological error. You are not just a happenstance. God created you. You are a divine design. Stop letting people drag you down, make you feel like you have nothing to offer. God never makes mistakes. So you are here for a reason. But why are you here? It's to do good work that God has already prepared. We keep complaining. I'm in the wrong church. I'm in the wrong family. I'm in the wrong country. God said, no, you are not. I place you there to do good work. Just do good work. You are in a church that is amazing because not only they have classes to teach you who you are, but they also have classes to teach you what the church is. But it is so important that you learn who you are. There is a class, class 301, that teaches you to discover the shape of ministry that you have. Your shape for ministry. You need to take that class. I pray that today there is a connection card in front of you. You put all your information because they, we need to reach out to you. Put all your information and write down, I want to know who I am. I want to take this class 301 so that you can know why you are here. You are never too young to serve God, and you are never too old to serve God. Why? David was anointed by Samuel when he was still a teenager, between 12 and 16 years old. And Moses was called by God to serve God at age 80. When you are trying to retire, God said, refire. 
I got something for you. Stop talking about I'm too old. I can't do it. My back is hurting. Nobody cares about that because God will give you the ability to do your work. When I discover my shape for ministry, few things came in my mind. I thought about mentoring. I was working at the jail, and I thought, look at how many people we have in this room. If people can just be willing to hang out with these kids at elementary school, middle school, high school, how many kids can we save so that they don't end up in jail? We keep complaining, oh, they'll never change, but they'll never change because you never showed up. You're the one that has to bring that change. I thought about that ministry. On the other side, I thought about another ministry uh, in the Congo. I thought my mother was going from one building, from one house to another to, to give injection and medication. I thought if we can build a hospital where everybody will go, what a blessing would that be? These were the ideas that I had. These were visions that God has given me, but I was still working at the jail, so I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know where to find the medical equipment, so I kept doing my thing. 2007, I graduated. 2008, I lost my first entry-level engineering position. 2009, I lost another job, and then I got a phone call from Fresno. Never heard of Fresno my entire life. I'm sorry, I'm just telling y'all the truth. Never heard of that. This guy found my resume out of 400 resumes. He's the COO of this organization. He said, I just find your resume, and I just felt like I needed to call you. I said, okay, where are you calling from? He tells me Fresno. I'm like, where is Fresno? In California. I said, listen, man, I know everything about California. I know LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Sacramento, and the black hole in the middle. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And so he tells me, let's know, uh, no, you, do you know the Bulldogs? I say, yes, yeah, I'm type of dogs, right? They say, no, 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 this is a team, this is a college. I was like, man, I've been so busy trying to learn a new language, I just never had time for college football. And so he told me, okay, never mind, uh, we just want to have this conversation with you. I said, no problem. Let me send you my resume because I don't know whose resume you find. You got the right name, the right number, but take this resume because I don't remember posting that resume. And so this guy goes and talks to the CEO and he said, listen, we want to get this guy. The CEO tells him, are you kidding? me? When do you find anything true online? And this guy is from Africa, but all I know, he might have a bone in his nose. Is that the kind of engineer you have here? He's a very funny dude. They tell him, listen, we spoke to this dude. I think he's real. So I need to talk to him. So he gives me a call, said, this is so-and-so, president, CEO. I mean, you know you're talking to the power. He says, I'm here with so-and-so. And so they tell me, I should hire you. My question to you is, why should I hire you? So I knew already this guy didn't want to hire me, but hey, I'll play the game. I've done that before. I said, Mr. President, CEO, I am glad that you called little me. I know you got bigger and better things to do than to call me, but here's my story. Five years ago, and back then it was five years, I was given the greatest opportunity of my life to come to this country. I had to work hard day in and day out, learn a new language just to deserve your phone call today. And what I'm telling you is I'll be an, an asset for your organization, but I need you to just give me an opportunity. The man was silent for a minute and he hung up on me. And he told these guys, something is telling me there's something just not right about this guy. So he calls me back, came back with a, 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 a plan. He said, listen, I decided to hire you. I said, thank you. He said, no, don't say thank you. You have not heard the condition. I said, listen, regardless of your condition, I appreciate the opportunity you're giving me. He said, okay, here's the condition. You figure out a way to make it here. We're not going to pay for your relocation fee. Uh, we are now going to hire you for 120 days probation period. And you are not going to be paid what an engineer makes. You'll be paid way less than that. I knew what he wanted me to say is thanks, but no thanks. But dude, I slept on the floor. I'm not going to let you just walk away from me like that. I said, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'll be there in two weeks. 
He's like, what? You'll be here in two weeks? And say, yes, I'll be there in two weeks. And sarcastically, he says, see you in two weeks. I say, see you in two weeks. It just worked out. I love it. And so I went to my fiance back then, wife today, and my brother. I told her, I'm going to California. I said, wow, great, California. This is great. So you know somebody there? No. You have a job there? No. So why would you go to a place where you don't have a job and you don't know anyone? I told him, listen, someone judged me based on the cover of my book. Didn't even take the time to look at the first page. So I'm just going there to prove a point, and I'll be back. And that was my plan. I drove for three days. I was renting a bedroom by Fresno State with students partying all night, and I was at work every day. For six months, I did that. After six months, I came to the man. I said, here's my resignation letter. I just want to let you know. You know what I can bring on the table, but I have to go get married. I can't bring my wife here. And so here's my resignation letter. The man asked me, what do you need to stay? I said, if you pay me this, then I can stay. And he's like, let me think about it. And so he goes and talks to other people. They say, yeah, we need Freddie. So he came back and gave me this. That's the reason why I stayed in Fresno. But why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this to tell you that it's not because I worked so hard to be standing here. As a matter of fact, if you take me back to the Congo, I will not find my way to this stage. It's not because of anything that I've done. Because if I was to stay here and boast about what I did, the question you would ask me, how hard did you work to select what parent to have? How hard did you work to convince your auntie to pay for your way to America? How hard did you work to convince this manager to hire you on a job you don't qualify? How hard did you work to convince the COO to find your resume out of 400 resumes? How hard did you work to convince the CEO to call you on a job you never applied for? And I'll tell you, no, I have not done any of that because it is because of the grace of God. God has been good to me. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. After everything God has done for me, I was still living my best life. I was still pursuing the American dream. And I point my finger to God and I said, God, it's because of you that I can't serve in ministry. I, I, I have too much. You blessed me with a job. You blessed me with a beautiful wife. You blessed me with a son and one on the way. I'm just, I got too much going on. When I was broke, I was at church every Sunday. They had to kick me out and say, we're going to close the door, come back the next day. That was my life. But now I'm just too busy. Watch out when you point your finger to God because God can clear your schedule easy. How? He can take your life. That's all you need. He can take whatever it is that you say. And God had to teach me that. 2013, we went to LA. All day, coming back, I was so tired. I was drained. My stomach was hurting. We were 99, 20 minutes from home. I was leaning back. My wife was sitting next to me, three months pregnant. My son sitting right behind him. And as we were coming close, my wife was sleeping. When he woke up, he saw that I was drifting away from the road. He screamed, Freddie, watch out. I panicked, and I overcorrected one time. I overcorrected the second time. The car flipped twice and landed on the other side of the road. I got some pictures for you to see. Uh, these are the pictures they're showing already. So that's the car wrecked up. There is a picture of me calling 911. There is a picture of my wife. There, there it is. I didn't take the picture to put on Facebook. I put it there because I, was, I felt something was coming down my face, and I wanted to know what it was, and I wanted to make sure that it wasn't bad. So I called 911. These are the realities. But here's the thing. Nothing happened to us. Nothing happened to us. They took us to the hospital. They checked even the baby in the womb. Nothing happened to that baby. At that point, I was like, this is the best accident ever. Because if we were to roll and stay in the middle of the road, a truck would have come and finished us. If we were to roll one more time on the side of the road, we would have been under a canal. And if we were to, uh, to lose consciousness completely, nobody would have ever known that we were there. That was the reality that I'm facing. 
And I just couldn't believe that God was so good that even when I was out of control, he was still in control. The greatest he that is in us, that he that is the world. In all things, God worked for the good of those that love him, that has been called according to his purpose. He will never leave you nor forsake you in whatever you're going through. Right there and then, it was clear to me. I had to do something for God. And so I started knocking on different doors, said, we got to start the mentoring program. Before you know it, we had people in, uh, in schools mentoring kids, and I started to talk about the Congo and the vision of the clinic on the Congo. Here's what I found out. The company that found my resume brought me here is the same company that serves all the hospitals in Fresno. Every time we remodel a project, we throw medical equipment. I saw the medical equipment, I say, what do you do with this? They say, we usually throw them away, but there's an organization here called MMI that takes those, uh, those uh, medical equipment in third world country. And I went to MMI, I said, hey, this is what I have in the Congo. They said, man, we've been in the Congo six times already. And if you want us to go to the Congo, we'll do it. Imagine this, I did not know about Fresno, but Fresno already knew about the Congo. That's how good God is. I got a few pictures that I want you to see. Uh, this is my picture of me and my mother that I took in 2019. Next picture. This picture here is the group that we went there as a mission trip with my family. Behind there is my mother's house. It's actually better now than it was when I was growing up. Let's go to the next picture. This is the hospital that we were able to build. While I told my mom, I want to build you a mansion, she said, Mom, don't worry about it. How about you go serve? And the idea that I came up with was to build a clinic where people can be saved. Let's go to the next picture. That's my mother cutting the ribbon. Now, here's the story behind this. A couple months after my mother was found unconscious and they had to rush her to the same clinic, and that's where they saved her life. Imagine this. If she would have told me, son, I want you to take care of me. Build me a mansion. She would have died and left that mansion. But she said, go for ministry. And guess what? That ministry was actually what God will use to save her life. Listen, you never waste your time when you're serving God because he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how to lead you where you need to be and even to save your life when you did not know about it. Now, I know some of y'all may look at me and say, Freddie, this is a beautiful story, but that's your story. It's not my story. You don't know what I'm going through. I feel tired. I am done. I feel empty. I'm literally dragging myself in this place. Then I want you to look at my third point. I say hope renews strength and overflow to make a difference. It's not just you who's empty, it's also me who's empty. As much as God has done all this for me, we started mentoring program, guess what happened? COVID happened, we had to shut down the mentoring program, and now we have to start back up as if we've never done it before. We started a clinic, and right now it's only the first floor that is operational with the medical equipment that we threw out there, but unfortunately the first floor can't give this thing going. It's hard to keep the doors open. Over 100 baby has been born already last year that we opened but I cannot finish this building. Someone was willing to give 200000 last year to finish the project and something happened to them and I was not able to get that money to finish the project. That's where I'm at. I feel empty also and I don't know how I will make it to the next time. So you and I are feeling the same way. But Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, it says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not go weary or tired. His understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the, the, of the weak. Even young men shall stumble and fall, but those who wait in the Lord, 
shall renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord shall renew. I was hoping that you would get excited to know that, that whatever you're going through right now, if you hope in the Lord, you will renew your strength. God is on your side. He has never leave you. You will soar on wings like eagle. You will walk and not be weary. You will, you will, you will run, not be weary. You will faint. You will walk and not faint. The last, the next verse says 15 to 13, Romans 15 to 13. This is what it says. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that, as you, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. What is that supposed to mean? It means this, that this is the world for you. This is you and I showing up to church empty, not knowing what to do, dragging our feet just to get a church. Problem after problem, we can't see God. This is God full of hope, full of joy, and full of peace. The formula for hope is joy in the midst of trouble and peace that surpasses all understanding. God says when you show up to church all tired, don't even want to be here. And Pastor Shane is preaching. Pastor Steve, Pastor Kevin are preaching. God adds a little joy in your life. And he adds a little peace in your life. He adds a little hope in your life. You keep showing up. Join Bible study. Join some kind of groups where people are encouraging you. God adds a little hope in your life. You keep showing up. Yes, I, don't, I feel like something is doing something, but I just want some more of God. And God fills you up. And then you're like, man, I feel filled right now. I just want to serve God. You take the class 301 to find out your shape for ministry. And you start sharing your ministry, sharing the gift that God has given you. And while you are serving in children's ministry, while you are welcoming people here, God continues to overpour over you. And guess what? The world is now receiving hope. The world is now receiving joy. The world is now receiving the grace of God because you are not a mistake. Because you have been designed to make a difference. You have something to offer. You have to stop sitting down and serve God because He is ready to take you to the next level. It's not about your ability, but it's about your availability. Are you available? Are you available? We're going to take some time to worship. We're going to take some time to worship. And I just want you to stand on your feet right now. And if there is some people that wants to pray with people, you can come up front. As we are singing the song, I just want you to see the goodness of God in your life. How faithful God has been. And right after that, we'll finish with a prayer. Let's sing.
messed it all up. If I was God, whoever disagree with me, I will have taken oxygen away from them. But even when I mess up, you're still good to me. Even when I do wrong things, you're still there for me. And so I pray, God, that you will strengthen each and every one of us. Remind us of our shape. Allow us to not only discover our shape, to develop our shape and to distribute, to make a difference in the world. And for whoever who is in this room and never accepted Christ, I pray that he will repeat this or she will repeat this. Father, I came to find you out today. And I know I am a sinner. I want my sin to be forgiven. Coming to my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be able to be used for you, God. And for all your people, God, I pray that there will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower, that they will be able to impact the world because they have been engineered by you to make a difference. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all say amen. 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 God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you, Jesus.